Welcome everyone to the Transformation Nurse Academy podcast. This is our weekly episode, Talk with Kevin, where we cover topics for all nursing fields with extra emphasis on emergency and critical nursing. Get ready for candid discussions that explore the vast landscape of nursing and beyond. Welcome everybody. I want to appreciate you being here. I want to give a shout out to my friend, Kevin. He's the Art of Emergency Nursing podcaster. He told me to switch mics because my first mic sounded like shit. Hopefully this is better, Kevin. I listened to you, got the dynamic mic. The only thing is you can hear fucking everything I'm recording and shit. But I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. Maybe I can get you on here and shit. I want to welcome everybody to our new podcast, our new format. I know it's been a long time coming. Some things happened, so I'm venturing out on my own. This is my dream. You know, everybody who knows me, I like to be a nurse. I want to help everybody. doesn't matter if you're man, woman, black, white, green, purple. I don't give a shit. I really want to transform nursing, and I've been trying to do this for so long. But not only do I want to transform nursing, I want to transform you as an individual. So our first episode on our podcast is going to be about oncology. So I know that we talked about this. If you go on our website, it does talk about we will focus on emergency nursing and critical care nursing. But I have a good friend. Her name is Nellie Shining Light. She's part of the Oncology Society for the California Central Valley Oncology Nurses Society. So I'd like to give a shout out to Nellie there for inviting me to their symposium. I learned a lot. There's a speaker that I really turned me on in far as uh, information, but she wouldn't come on to the podcast because she said she didn't want me to make her famous. I think she's trying to blow smoke up my ass, but she's been a nurse for 40 years and she's probably way up there. I think she's like a chief nursing executive for Kaiser. So she probably doesn't want to come down to the low life for Kevin's show and stuff. Anyway, welcome to the Oncology Insights podcast episode where we're going to delve into the complexities of cancer, cutting edge research, and the latest advancements in treatment. We're privileged today. I'm going to talk about doctor. His name is Dr. Chaudhry. He completed his fellowship in hematology and oncology at the University of California, San Francisco. He attended the Aga Khan University Medical College. Dr. Chaudhry has completed an externship in hematology and oncology at the Washington University School of Medicine's Barnes Hospital. And he completed his internship and residency at the Indiana University Hospitals. Dr. Chaudhry is board certified in medical oncology and hematology. So I gave him a list of questions. And he's supposed to send those questions back to me, but I haven't got them yet. But when he does, maybe we'll do another episode. Another guy that was supposed to sit down with me at the symposium was Michael Mott. He's an RN. Maybe I'll get him on here. I got his information of his, uh, what did she say she was? This is Mackenzie Villayabos. I can't say. Villayabos? Villabos? I don't know. Don't be mad at me, Mackenzie. I'm trying to pronounce it correctly, but you know I suck ass. Anyway, Mackenzie, she's with the Women's Cancer Research Network, and she's his marketing executive. So, man, I need a marketing executive. Maybe if I make enough money, I can get Jane to be my marketing executive. Anyway, Michael Mott, he graduated from the Fresno City College as a registered nurse in 2002. He's been a nurse for 18 years with experience in hematology and oncology. He started his research career in 2015 as a clinical study nurse and became in charge of clinical trials. Later, he became a research manager for the Northern California region. He is now the director of research for the Cooperative Gynecologic Oncology Investigators. 
for the Women's Cancer Research Network. Holy crap, that's a mouthful of stuff. Now, on to the person I love the most. Her name is Ruth Martinez, and she has over 40 years of experience as a dedicated nurse, providing patient care and medical treatment to various types of patients. She was the Hemophilia Treatment Center Coordinator for Valley Children's Healthcare in California. She's a certified hemostasis nurse. I have no idea what that is, but I'll look it up and tell you later. With the American Nurses Credentialing Center, her vast experiences ranges from pediatric oncology, surgery, rheumatology, nephrology, endocrine, and diabetes. That is a mouthful. Now you understand why she's the chief nursing executive at Kaiser. Her passion is for education, for the excellence in the care of bleeding disorders in our community. She is the bleeding disorders nurse educator for CVS Special. And then there's Cheryl Nasrallah, is a registered nurse with a master's degree in nursing. She's had many roles in oncology, from being director to being a nurse educator at Kaiser Permanente. Cheryl has passion for teaching and improving care. Therefore, she focuses on providing evidence-based nursing education to nurses. Her goal is to continue to improve patient outcome by providing quality care using evidence-based practices and evidence-based research. So the thing that I got most excited about out of all of this was the tumor lysis syndrome. And I think I misspoke because I, I was talking about Ruth Martinez, but I really meant Cheryl Nasala. She's the one that's a chief nurse and executive. I'm sorry, Cheryl, but that's your fault because you wouldn't come on a podcast and let me record you and stuff. Anyway, I really appreciate Cheryl. I'm sorry I made a mistake, but I really, maybe I was hurt because she wouldn't come and talk to me because I think that this tumor lysis syndrome that she presented at the oncology symposium really ties in to emergency nursing. I probably heard of tumor lysis syndrome when I was back in school and stuff, and I never thought about what it meant. But if you think about it, tumor, you know what a tumor is. Lysis means to break down or tear open or pop is the word she used in the class. And then syndrome is just a fancy name for, you know, we don't know what the hell else to call it. So the one thing that I did like about the tumor lysis syndrome class is if you have a patient that's susceptible and she gave us different criteria for the susceptibility when it comes to the tumor lysis syndrome crisis, it can lead to hyperkalemia, it can lead to hypocalcemia, it can lead to hypophosphatemia, hyperuricemia. And so these are different things that she discussed. So when the patient's getting chemotherapy and they have different types of comorbidities, these tumors, when they get these certain medications or there's certain comorbidities that they suffer from, the tumor can pretty much pop. And then all these chemicals that are inside, like your potassium, your phosphatemia, your calcium, your uric acid, it can bust open and just start flowing into the patient's bloodstream. And so it's really fascinating because, you know, somebody asked me, why am I going to an oncology symposium if I'm an ER nurse? But we get these patients in the ED. I mean, why shouldn't we know a little bit about everything? There's a guy who's a certified flight nurse and he's certified emergency nurse. He's like a big wig. His name's Mark Stevens. This guy told me the other day he just had this patient in the ED. So you never know what you're going to get in the ED. And that's why I love nursing. So, you know, I think that it's important that you study tumor lysis syndrome, especially if you have a patient that is on chemotherapy, if they got a Mediport of some sort. I think it's very important that you focus on this. So tumor lysis syndrome occurs when the tumor releases their contents into the bloodstream, either spontaneously or 
in a response to therapy, leading to the characteristic findings of hyperuricemia, hyperkalemia, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia. And you know, Cheryl Nassala, she talked about this a lot, and it made me realize that something that we should maybe understand and focus on if we got these cancer patients coming into the ED. So the electrolyte and the metabolic disturbances, it can progress into clinical toxic effects. It can cause renal insufficiencies. It can cause cardiac dysrhythmias. It can cause seizures. It can cause death and multi-organ dysfunction syndromes. And so one big takeaway I got from Cheryl is don't get a fucking nephrologist involved. Because the problem is when you look at the labs and stuff, and she talked about labs that you should draw for tumor lysis syndrome. And some of the labs, of course, would be like a CMP. I heard one of the nurses talk that they even have a tumor lysis syndrome panel, which pretty much covers everything that you need for taking care of this. But labs that you want to monitor would be a lactic acid, CMP, which includes a potassium, calcium, creatinine, maybe get an ionized calcium, a phosphorus. And she told me that, or she told the group, that a lot of doctors don't typically offer or, you know, want to order phosphorus, but that's something that you want to order stuff. So it's something that you want to pay attention to when you get these patients in. Don't be afraid to advocate for your patients. So when it comes to tumor lysis syndrome, it's very important that you focus on these because if you got hypocalcemia, you know, what can hypocalcemia cause? Hypocalcemia is a condition where you're characterized by low levels of calcium in the blood. It may go unnoticed in the early stages, but then it progresses. You get numbness, you get tingling in the hands and feet, you get muscle cramps, you get seizures, abnormal heart rhythms. And of course, if you leave it untreated, just like Cheryl said, dead. One thing though, that as an ER nurse, I'm very passionate about not giving a lot of fluids because I don't want to give too much fluids because studies have proven that ED nurses, we give them five to seven liters too much fluid. However, in the class, Cheryl said that you want to make sure that you do give fluids. And if you have to give Lasix or other things to take off of fluids, it's okay. But you don't want to not give fluids because if you don't, they're going to be saturated with all these toxics, you know, these byproducts of lactic acid and calcium from the tumor breaking open that you're just going to cause problems with your patient and stuff. So you got to make sure that you're paying attention to this when you're suspecting tumor lysis syndrome. Urine output was a key factor that she said you want to monitor the urine output because, you know, if you don't have urine output, it could be because the kidneys are having a hard time because of all the uric acid and the phosphatemia and the calcium because, you know, it's hard to excrete from the bodies and the tumor lysis is causing the problem. And then the natural thing that doctors want to do is get a nephrologist involved. And she's like, nope, don't get a nephrologist involved because it can cause problems. And that's one thing I learned. Throughout my years of nursing, there's a lot of patients have many different types of doctors and they don't really talk to each other. And I don't understand that. So one doctor who's a primary care provider may want this, a nephrologist wants this, cardiologist wants this, and they never agree upon anything. And that's the thing that blows my mind the most and stuff. So if you don't know your normals and stuff, your normal potassium level is 3.5 to 5. Your normal calcium level, I guess it depends on, you know, what lab book you look at and stuff, but. If you look at your normal calcium levels, me, I just put 8 to 10 because it's easy to remember those numbers and stuff. I think the biggest one would be probably the normal phosphorus levels. We don't look at these all the time, but the normal phosphorus levels are around 2.5 to 4.5. That would be a good thing to remember and stuff. And then your normal uric acid levels are in between 3.5, 7.2 for adult males. And in women, if they're postmenopausal, it's about 2.6 to 6. 
So you got to keep that in mind, you know, when it comes to levels and stuff. You got to remember when it comes to tumor lysis syndrome, it's more likely to develop when certain cancers or blood disorders are being treated with chemotherapy because it puts the patient at risk. But you have a higher burden for tumor lysis syndrome in patients who have a acute leukemia, aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, solid tumors such as hepatoblastomas or stage four neuroblastomas. These are kind of different cancers that you should pay attention to. Some of the symptoms that patients may present with are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, muscle twitch or uh, cramps, you know, that's due to the potassium and calcium, weakness, numbness, tingling, fatigue. They may have decreased urination, irregular heart rhythms, confusions, irritabilities. So those are things you want to look out for. You want to make sure, like I said, you get a complete blood count, your CMPs with your phosphorus, your calcium's added on, your uric acid levels, get a urinalysis. And then before you begin treatment, you want to make sure that you're trying to see if you're at risk for this tumor lysis syndrome. Like I said, there's different types of cancers, the progression of it. Look at the conditions, like do they have poor kidney functions, things like that. So fluids are usually given 24 to 48 hours before treatments. Like if somebody's getting chemotherapy and they're at high risk for tumor lysis syndrome, try to encourage people to give fluids, you know, try to encourage the physician to give fluids 24 to 48 hours before they start the treatments. So that way, you know, you're not having to worry about if you need to really hydrate them. While you're giving fluids, you know, make sure you monitor how much urine output is being produced. It's important that you get about 150 to 200 milliliters of urine output every hour. And if you need to, like Cheryl said, don't be afraid to give diuretics because you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't, you know, because LASIK can be hard on kidneys. It gets rid of potassium. So, but you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, I mean, you got to do what's best for your patient. Medications that can help lower your uric acid levels are allopurinol. There's another one that she talked about that I don't remember if I've ever given it before, but it's called rasburicase, and it's spelled R-A-S-B-U-R-I-C-A-S-E. Another name for it is Fastyurtec, F-A-S-T-U-R-T-E-C. It's a drug that breaks down uric acid, and she says you can give it, and the next morning your uric acid has dropped like the bomb. So it's just crazy to me. I've never heard of that before, and I have gout, so I take uric acid. I know what allopurinols does, but I've never heard of the rasburicase. Other drugs that may help uric acid from forming crystals, you can try sodium bicarbonate, a drug called acetazolamide or diamox uh, that you can give with uh, intravenous fluids. And so if you can try those different kind of things. Worst case scenario, the patient may have to get dialysis. But you know, they're already having a hard time with their kidneys, so you don't really want to make them suffer with their kidneys, you know, with the tumor lysis syndrome, if, if you think about that in the emergency department. So what do you do if a patient comes in and you suspect tumor lysis syndrome in the ED? I mean, what do you do to try to help this patient to advocate this? And this is one thing I talked about. There's a nurse that he's from a hospital that I worked at. I don't want to mention the name of the hospital because I'm about to go back to work there per DM. So I got to be on my best damn behavior, even though I'm not going to curse and Jane's not going to beat me out and shit. But one thing he addressed was these cancer patients or oncology patients typically have some type of PIC line or they have an implanted vascular access device, an IVAD, 
which in our language from older nurses is a mediport or a porticath, but the new term for it is an IVAD, I-V-A-D, or an implanted vascular access device. So he said that a lot of nurses are afraid or maybe they're incompetent to access these central lines. And so a lot of patients wind up getting poked multiple times because their veins are very fragile because nurses don't understand how to access these devices. I think that maybe you should take the time to learn these different devices, take an IV class, look up the organization, Association for Vascular Access, look up the organization, Infusion Nurses Society, and improve your education on how to implement these protocols for your patients who are cancer patients. I know that it takes a lot of time accessing the central line because now the CDC says you have to access them sterilely. You have to use maximum barrier precautions. But also, Peter and I discussed, we're trying to do what's best for the patient, not what's best for us. And sometimes that's hard to do because, you know, nurses are overworked. They're stressed out because they got multiple patients. So I think that it's very important. If you are an emergency nurse and you do have a patient in the ED, So what is the most important thing that you can do when it comes to treating patients in the ED for tumor lysis syndrome? So the emergency department management strategy for tumor lysis syndrome is proper fluid resuscitation, just what Cheryl said, use of hypouremic agents, like that medication I told you about was uh, rasburicase. She said you could try allopurinol, but it takes too long. It takes, you know, a couple of days, three to seven days, she said. So the rasbira case will work faster. Use of renal replacement therapy, correction of electrolyte imbalances. So things that you can do would, you know, be easier for the patient. So this rasbira case, it promotes catabolism, uric acid to allotoin molecule being useful for primary prophylaxis in high-risk patients. So that's a fancy word for saying it breaks shit down faster and helps get away, you know, the crystals away from the patient, which will help damage the, I think she said it will damage the renal tubules, which will cause inflammation and cause problems even further. So the biggest thing in the ED is fluids, even though, you know, we're not, I'm not a big proponent of fluids and stuff, but she says in this case, they need these kind of fluids. So tumor lysis, it's an oncologic emergency. Like I said, it's caused by the lysis of a tumor and you get large outputs of potassium, phosphate, nucleic acid is what she says from the DNA. The most common abnormalities, like I said, is hyperkalemia, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia. But it can also cause acute renal injury or acute kidney injury. And that's where sometimes, like I said, the doctors want to get the nephrologist involved. And and again, she said it like multiple times, don't get the damn nephrologist involved. So you got to think about that when you're treating your patients. You want to monitor for your hyperkalemia. So you can use things, if it's too high, you can use things like dextrose 50% intravenous push. Some insulin IV push will help kind of push the potassium over into the cells because dextrose 50% is a hypotonic solution. And then using the insulin will help kind of drag the potassium into the cells. In class, when I teach about IV therapy and the hypotonic, isotonic, and hypertonic, I call the cells the intracellular space. I call it the bitches of the body. Because they have to take everything. They take the brunt of all of our bullshit from the intravascular space. And they take it on and they take it whether they want to or not. But if they don't, everybody dies and stuff. So 
that's why we kind of stored it there until we can get other medication to excrete that unwanted sister-in-law that maybe we don't want hanging around who causes us trouble and stuff. So think about hypocalcemia. It's a secondary to release of the phosphate from lice cells. Usually it's related to the hematologic malignant cells that contain up to four more times intracellular phosphate than other cells do. Significant elevations in phosphorus in the blood are not seen until blood levels exceed the capacity for the renal excretion of phosphate. So kidneys have a hard time, you know, getting rid of that stuff if it piles on. And this can usually occur within 24 to 48 hours of the IV therapy. Hypocalcemia can lead not to only tetany and seizure, but it can also cause fatal cardiac dysrhythmias. So you got to be careful when it comes to this. So I just want to know if you can think about tumor lysis, you know, think about the Oncology Society. I didn't go into the other things. They talked about von Wildebrand disease. Maybe that will be another episode that we'll talk about, maybe more with cancer research, if I can ever get Michael Mott on. He's not too busy for taking his time out for us. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed your first episode of the podcast. Maybe Jane can get and cut in this interview with Pete so you can hear from Pete. I really like Pete. He's a good guy, and he's from the Army. So I appreciate you guys. I hope that you have a great night. I hope that you like this first episode, and I hope that you like Transformation Nurse Academy. All right, you guys, I appreciate you. Have a great night, and take it easy. Don't miss out. Engage with us weekly. Share your thoughts, and let's transform the nursing landscape together.